My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 120. Hey folks, welcome to another edition of My Car Guru. This one's as fresh as a daisy. I have to go to the eye doctor right afterwards. This keyboard I'm looking at and the, the screen, basically, is just a little bit fuzzy. And it's gotten fuzzier as the year has gone by. Apparently, I have the beginnings of cataracts. Now, my parents had that issue, and uh, I don't even know what that means. She says she can see them. They're kind of creeping in. And I said, well, what will happen when they finish creeping in? And she said, well, your vision, it will be tougher, especially uh, when there's less light, like at night, night driving, stuff like that. And, you know, you'll get a little blurry, and no matter what we do with your prescription, it just won't be clear. I said, well, that's great. Is this another advantage of getting old? And she said, one of the many. So whatever. You know, you just have to adapt. You can't worry about it. It's happening. Deal with it, right? Some things are harder to deal with than others. I had a sales manager once come in to me, and he said, Lenny, you've got to make these salespeople respect me. And, you know, it just kind of struck me this little bit. I said, well, why don't they respect you? I mean, do you have you thought about the reason? They don't respect you? And how does that lack of respect manifest itself? I don't know if I use that big word or not. I said, what makes you think they don't respect you? Well, they won't do what I say. You know, I tell them to do this or tell them to do that. You know, tell them to follow up with their unsold customers or call the people who had bought cars in the last few weeks and follow up with them, make sure they're happy, and they just won't do it. I said, well, what's the consequence for not doing it? And he said, well, I chew him a new one. I said, well, obviously that's not carrying a lot of weight. So maybe there ought to be some other consequence. Maybe they need to come in and sit down with a Lenny session, and we'll just have a little Lenny talk. And sometimes that was effective over the years. problem is, you know, I can't manage his people for him. If I have to manage his people for him, why do I need him? I mean, that's a pretty obvious question, right? Have you ever been in management? Have you ever had a problem with the discipline of your people? You know, it's really hard to discipline uh, grown adults. Heck, it's hard to discipline a two-year-old. And sometimes the grown adults act like two-year-olds, don't they? But you run into that. Usually it's not the employee's fault, though, in my experience. It's the manager's fault because all he does is manage. I've always heard that you manage things and you lead people. And so the leadership characteristics are what's lacking. You know, they, they are not developing their people and they're not holding their people accountable for their behaviors. My dad's favorite saying was firm, fair, and friendly. You know, you can have high expectations of people. You need to be firm about your rules. But your rules need to be fair, and you, you have to have fair application of those rules, don't you? you got to treat everybody, well, kind of the same. I mean, um, I've had some superstars working for me, and, and, you know, you don't have to manage them. You don't, they don't take much maintenance. And so are you going to let your superstars get by, maybe leave a little bit early or come in a little bit late, long as they continue to perform? I think so. I think that the the poor performers are the ones you to treat ever uh, are the ones I'm sorry that want you to treat everybody exactly the same. 
Well, how come you let Charlie go home early? Well, because Charlie sold 28 cars last month and you sold seven. You know, there's, there's a problem here. Do you see why we might want to give that uh, high-performing salesperson a little bit more rope? You know, where he has a little bit, few more privileges? Shouldn't there be a reward for that kind of performance as long as he's doing everything else right, ethically and morally and following the guidelines of the dealership and taking care of his responsibilities? If he's selling 28 cars a month and somebody else is selling seven or eight, then uh, they should be treated differently. And then the final thing is you always have to be friendly. You know, you can choose somebody out and still be nice about it. I mean, it just a lot of people think you have to yell. I see that in the service department over the years when a customer comes in and they've, and I understand the frustration. You know, they've been in the dealership four or five times for the same problem or a similar problem. And they just really, it's very disruptive to their life and they don't want to be there. And I understand that, but my goodness, some of the things that they will say and do in front of other human beings. And the typical, I guess the reaction that they're trying to get is they want people to fix their problem. But you know, people really don't want to help somebody who's really being mean. Um, It's human nature. Now, we should want to fix it anyway, right? I mean, I agree with that. And we have to take it. But sometimes, my goodness, you make it very difficult um, when you yell and scream and create a scene there in the service department. It doesn't happen very often here. It's happened to me several times, though, over the years. And I didn't even know what was going on until it was the final straw. You know, it was that last thing, that last repair where they had to come in that that time in a nagging problem that didn't get resolved. Now, I've seen the other side as well. You know, the other person who handles it well and makes an appointment. Mr. Lawson, can I come visit with you? Sure. Come on in. We sit down. We have a conversation. I've had this problem. I've been in your dealership many times to get this fixed, and they just haven't fixed it. You know, I really want to help that person because I want to preserve the relationship. But, you know, a lot of dealers, I get a lot of feedback from people on this radio show, and they say, do dealers really think like you? I said, well, not all of them, but I think the majority of the people that I know, the guys that own car dealerships, yeah, I think they they want to preserve preserve, I'm sorry, relationships with their customers. They want to solve the problem. Now everybody doesn't react the same. I used to be a well, I wouldn't call me a hothead, but I didn't like somebody to get in my face, you know, and and really yell and scream at something that I didn't even do. That was hard for me. My dad had to teach me how to stay calm and absorb it. And then uh also escort the customer to another place where, you know, they won't be disrupting everybody else. You know, there is a technique involved in handling an irate customer. And some people just don't like being or having a technique used on them. You know, I truly believe that there are some people you just can't please. I mean, they just like, I don't know, maybe it gives them some sense of authority or control or maybe they lack any control in their regular life, and so by golly, they're going to exert it, you know, in public when they can. I think some people really think that that way, don't you? Okay, well, I'm going to take my first break. I'll be back here in just a minute. 
Okay, today I wanted to talk about some very common questions that I get on the radio show and the podcast too, uh, on Facebook and with text messages and so forth. A lot of the same questions. So these are common things that people uh, send to me and ask me, and, and also in person. I mean, I, I've sold cars for, well, been in the car business for 45 years. Whew. But anyway, I do I do really like the car business, and I like the the diversity of experiences that I have. And helping people is my main mission in my old age, so that's what I like to do. People ask me all, well, this isn't as common as it used to be because people will pull up to a Jiffy Lube and they'll they'll take any oil they give them, you know. They ask, well, I don't even think a lot of people ask what grade of oil that they are uh, supposed to have in their car. Do they look in their owner's manual? Well, you should. I mean, if you're going to a Jiffy Lube or a fast lube place, just make sure that you're using the recommended viscosity in the oil. If you're supposed to use a 10W30 or a zero-weight oil like uh, Mazda's use or a full synthetic, you know, versus a, a blend, um, gosh, you got to put the right oil in it. Because here's, here's what happens if you don't. You have an engine failure while you're under warranty. And the sometimes if they suspect, like, lack of maintenance, they're going to ask you for your maintenance records, and they want to see what kind of oil you're, you were using. And if you were using the wrong grade of oil, you're out. You're warranty. They can turn down that warranty claim. You don't want that to happen. You know, I've, I've had some people come in and say, I don't want to use anything but Wolf's Blend. You ever remember that brand of oil or Penn's oil or something like that? You know, as long as it's the right viscosity, it it's just, it really doesn't matter. All of them are good. But I like synthetic. Maybe not a full synthetic or a synthetic blend, but what your car recommends, that's what you need to use, okay? And, you know, I would also recommend always using the factory filter because you don't want your warranty claim uh, denied because you have a Fram on there, which is a good filter, or uh, some other brand of filter. I, I just don't like the cheapest filters are what they put on unless you ask or unless you request a particular type of filter. So keep your own filter. If you're driving a Mazda, put a Mazda oil filter on there. If you're driving a Hyundai, same thing. Uh, Ford Motorcraft, keep them, you know, if you want to go to the Quick Lube place, fine. Tell them you have your oil filter in the trunk and use that oil filter. Okay, tire pressures. If you get new tires, get the same brand that was on it, unless you want to go like upgrade from Goodyear to Michelin or something like that. A lot of people do that. I did that on my truck. My truck came with, uh, what was it? Hankook, I believe, and I just don't like that name. <laughs> I mean, really, that's what it boiled down to. I don't want Hankook tires on my F-150, so I had them put Michelins on there. And quite frankly, I've had a few issues trying to get those things balanced. So I don't know if I had a, something wrong with them or, you know, like maybe a, a broken belt or something. That's very rare for a Michelin tire, but there's something going on with my tires. They're, they're vibrating. But what air pressure sh should you put in it? Should you put what it says on the side of the tire? No. You put what it says on, on the sticker inside your door of your vehicle. It's going to be inside your driver's side door on the, the pillar there. 
and it also be in your owner's manual. But that's the air pressure that you put in your tires. You know, my uh, old Corvair, it, I put new tires on, and it said 35 PSI on the side of the tire. You know how much Chevrolet recommends? 15 pounds in the front, 25 in the rear, because it's a rear-engine car. My Porsche has uh, different weight uh, pressures front to rear, different size tires front to rear. That's always fun when it comes to replace the tires. But yeah, you go by what the manufacturer says, not what it says on the side of the tire. When to replace, I'm just going to start with that, and then I'm going to say battery, tires, wiper blades, uh, when to adjust up for alignment and tire balancing. Okay, so your battery. I'm replacing my battery every three years. Um, it, or if my uh, cold cranking amps falls below 90%. Because when it gets really cold and your battery is, is failing like that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to strand you. And I think three years is a good life for a battery. Now, some of them, I know they're supposed to last longer. Those warranties, they make you feel all warm and fuzzy. But they won't. On a when it's below zero and you just came out of a concert at Freedom Hall and your car won't start. And it's because your battery is old and it lost a lot of its ability to keep your car or to start your car when it gets really cold. Now, it, that battery might be fine if you lived in Florida, but we don't live in Florida. And if you live up north and you listen to this podcast, you know what I mean. So replace those batteries at least every three years. Tires. You know, if you wait till they get to the tread wear indicators, you've waited too long because you're going to hydroplane. If you get into some, some water on the highway, if it's been raining, which it hasn't been doing around here much lately, but when it does rain, uh, and especially in the wintertime when it's slick and you've got a little bit of snow on the ground, you need more tread depth than that. And if you're not inspecting your tires, like when you get up on a Saturday morning, you don't have anything else to do, go outside and turn your steering wheel all the way to the to the left and then get out and look at the inside tread on your tire. And then go around the other side of the car and look at the inside, you know, because it'll be sticking out. Or you can turn it the other way and, and look at the front of the tire and see how much tread you got. Because, you know, all you ever see usually is the outside tread. And if you've got uneven tire wear, it can dramatically impact your handling of the car and then your safety in those situations when it does rain and it does get slick. You know, you could have uh, early signs of wear because of an alignment condition, and you need to get that annual front-end alignment or four-wheel alignment. You know, uh, back in the old days, we would just line the front end because they had fixed rear axles, solid rear axles. There wasn't an independent rear suspension that you could adjust. But see, that's not the case today. We can adjust the rear as well. So, And you want to make sure that your wheels are tracking, and that's what a four-wheel alignment does. If somebody tries to sell you a front-end alignment, and that's all they're doing, they're just putting uh, these fixtures on the front of your wheels and shooting a laser beam at it or measuring with the old way of, of checking alignment, then you're not necessarily going to be tracking down the road like it's supposed to. Have you ever seen those cars go sideways down the road? You know, where it looks like it's crabbing, in other words. That's because the car's been knocked into next week with a bad accident. And the frame is bent. That's what causes that. It's not an alignment situation. They're way beyond alignment concerns when they're doing that. They're just, they're just driving a car that's been totaled 
and um, hopefully they knew about it when they bought it. Now, if your tires are worn out, what brand are you going to get? What does Lenny recommend? You know, most of the tire companies are good. You can look at ratings. I, I like Goodyear. I like Michelin. I like Yokohama, Bridgestone. Um, not a big Firestone guy. Just I guess I got burnt out on the, the issues that they had with Firestone tires and the Ford Explorer. You know, I think it was there was a lot of blame to go around there. If you're so young that you don't remember that, then that is the, I can't remember what year that happened. Seems like it was in the early 80s like 83, 84, but they were having a lot of Firestone tires blow out on Ford Explorers. Well, Ford was blaming the tires, and the tire company, Firestone, was blaming Ford. And really, it was a Firestone issue, but that is what led to the development of dynamic stability control. So what that is is where you're, when they have analog brakes on a vehicle, the the vehicle has a computer on it that measures the direction that the car is going. If the wheels are pointing in one direction, but the computer senses that the car is actually going in a different direction, there's a problem. And so the system will use the, uh, well, it measures that by the wheel sensors that are part of the analog braking system. But it, So it applies braking pressure and throttle in order to straighten the car out. And you don't have to do anything about it. You don't even know what's going on, but it's happening to keep you going down the road. Like it typically would happen if you were to like drop off the berm or the side of the road and like overcorrect. Those are the types of situations or you get into a spin, you know, you're going around a curve and you start, you lose your rear end. Ooh, that sounded weird. But to the rear end of the car starts to slide sideways. Of course, which way you're going to turn the steering wheel if your car, if you, the right or your rear of your car is sliding to the right, which way you're going to turn your steering wheel? That's right. You're going to turn into the spin. A lot of people don't know that. You know what a lot of people do? They close their eyes, scream, and take their hands off the steering wheel and pray for the best. And those are the men. Okay, I'm going to take my last break. I'll be back here in just a minute. Okay, so how often should you get an annual four-wheel alignment? That's correct, annually. Once a year, you should do it. It'll preserve your tires. You should rotate your tires. Every time you get your oil change, and you should get your oil change, unless you're driving a Porsche or a BMW or a, I don't know, some of the cars that, that say you can change your oil every 10,000 miles, you should change your oil every 5,000 miles and get your tires rotated at the same time. It's just so easy. You know, used to, they, they said change your oil every 2,500 miles and rotate your tires every uh, 6,000 miles. Wait a minute. That means I have to get my tire, uh, oil change at twenty five hundred, another oil change at five thousand, then come back to the dealership and get my tires rotated at six thousand. You know, it's just a lot of visits to the store. So just get your oil changed and your your tires rotated at the same time every time. Yeah, it costs a little bit more, but it's worth it. It'll preserve your tires, and they will also be checking your tire pressures. Please check check your tire pressure once a month. You will lose two pounds a month. So over six months, you've lost 12 pounds. That's enough to make your car not handle right, to be unsafe in, in case you get into some type of a delicate situation. That's way beyond that. And see, more than likely, your uh, tire pressure warning sensors would have come on, but you're ignoring that light, right? A lot of people do. If that light comes on, 
then you got a problem. You need to take care of that. Now, if you have too much pressure in your tires, is your tire pressure warning light going to come on? Nope, it's not. What does too much air pressure in your tires do? It wears out the center tread on your tires because they're blown up too much. And so you, you don't have as good of a contact patch on the road. That's very dangerous, especially when it's slick. Okay, what else? How often should you have your tires balanced? When they're vibrating. There's no reason to get a tire balance if your tires aren't vibrating. A lot of people say, well, you want to have your tires uh, rotated and balanced? No, I want them rotated because they're smooth. Oh, you don't want them balanced? No, that's extra money that I don't need to spend. Folks, that is a very common thing for tire stores and car dealers and any kind of repair shop is, you want to rotate and balance? The answer to that question is no, unless your tires are vibrating, unless your your steering wheel is shaking, you know, just going down the road at 50 miles an hour and your steering wheel is shaking, or you're feeling it in your the seat of your pants, okay? You're feeling a vibration. If it's in your seat, it's the rear tires. If it's in the steering wheel and it's shaking, it's your front tires. Now, if you're putting your brakes on and you feel a vibration, it's not your tires, it's your brakes. So you've got probably warped rotors. And that doesn't mean they have to be replaced. They just need to be turned. But if they've been turned already, then you're going to need new rotors. So these are things that happen on modern cars and the reason that you need a guru. So that's me. 423-552-2020. Send me your questions, and I'll read them on the air, and we'll talk about it. We'll solve, try to solve them. And uh, if you need me for some reason during the week, getting ready to trade cars, Hey, Lenny, what's my car worth? You know, I answer that question for a lot of people. And then you go into the dealership and you know if they're trying to rip you off by giving you too little for your car. Um, That's the easiest way for a car dealership to take advantage of you is for them to under-allow on your trade. That's the the car terminology. They don't give you enough for your trade-in. And so make sure you're getting enough. Call me, 423-552-2020. Send me a text. Your VIN number, your miles, and the equipment your car has on it. And I'll tell you what it's worth. I'll even write you a check for it, as long as you don't fib to me about the condition. Uh, Also, LennyLawson2020 at gmail.com. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.